Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, also on all the major audio podcatchers and Odyssey as well. Credit to Justin Campbell at jcamp1521 on Twitter. He's going to do the intro. Uh, he does a lot of other work for podcasters. So if you want an intro, uh, someone to do an intro for you or uh, cut clips or whatever, he does it all. Uh, hit him up if you're a big podcaster and you're looking for someone else to someone to help you out with those needs. Uh, today, my guest is Saudi Agarist. We're continu continuing our uh, live reading series. Uh, as always, I remind you guys what the shtick is here. It's the 19th. If you're watching the 19th, it's a live stream. It's only available today. It'll go back up public roughly about a week or so later, just whenever, depending on how the schedule works. Um, and if you want to have access to it in the meantime, you need to be a patron or, or have, go on my Odyssey because it'll, it'll be on my Odyssey. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, but the, the lowest level for the Patreon is two bucks. That'll get you access to it in the meantime. It's patreon.com. just no way Jose 2020. The highest level is, uh, 20 bucks. And those are my sponsors. Um, and I read them off every episode. My sponsors are CD McRae of the whiskey and tea podcast, which, uh, I, she's got some personal stuff going on right now. Some crazy stuff. I haven't had a chance to talk to her and follow up with her about what's going on. Figured I'd give her a little bit of space for the moment, but she's got some stuff going on. They have a GoFundMe for her right now. She's trying to move to Florida. Uh, because I guess she had some crazy uh, personal stuff happen. Uh, I won't go into that here, but uh, I, uh, I, I may, I'll, I'll try to see if I can find it and probably drop in the link so you guys are in the uh, whenever I drop this public, so you can uh, so you can donate to her if you like. To. It has all the information and the GoFundMe as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely. It, or if not, hit me up on Twitter in the meantime if you like are watching it now live, and I'll, I can find you the link for you and send it to you. Uh, I also have uh, Jeremy, uh, who's someone I just had on recently. Uh, we just talked about a slew of topics, uh, so you can check out that episode if you'd like. But he has an Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash Raising Liberty. Follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. I also have Mikkel Thorup of the Expat Money Show. Uh, he's uh, His thing is he uh, helps people move to freedom, and specifically when it comes to moving uh, from one nation to another. Uh, so that's a, if you're someone who has the means to do something like that and you just want someone to help you out on that journey, uh, go for it. I mean, I'll, I'm all for moving to where things are more conducive. Uh, and yeah, like I said, that's patreon.com. Snow has a 2020 today. Like I said, this is, uh, we're doing the live reading of no Liber uh, the new libertarian manifesto. We're continuing. We're basically at the ass end. We're going through critiques. Now we are on the second part of Konkin's response to Rothbard because in the back of this book, uh, he got a few notable libertarians at the time to give their take on it and, uh, had a little bit of back and forth. The most notable being the Rothbard one, which we're covering right now. Uh, just so you guys know what's going on, I think I might be having Mark on next week. Uh, Mark Claire was supposed to be in this week, but we're uh, keep rescheduling. Uh, so, but yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, we'll be touching on a lot of his uh, new change, kind of coming more in line with like me and Sal a little bit in certain ways, which wasn't really a surprise, but it was kind of crazy. It made a, a big splash when it happened because it was, I mean, I, I already kind of had known that, anyways. Uh, all right, Tower Gang, make sure to go follow them. Follow them on Odyssey because we got nuked off YouTube. Uh, next month, we're going into our Jonesing for June event with conspiracy stuff. We're probably going to end up with having like Monica Perez, maybe do like a Four Horsemen thing, maybe a separate uh, other Dawson episode. I don't know. We haven't got completely planned out, but it should be fun. Uh, go to toplabs.com. Use Jose at checkout for 10% off. He has the best merch. You, if you want to get Naturalist Capitalist, No Way Jose, Liberty Lockdown. Uh, if you want to get Tower Power Hour merch, just it, it goes on. Uh, definitely go check him out. He also has other cool designs that have nothing to do with podcasts. Uh, definitely, you know, go hit him up. Uh, and with that, let's get uh, Sal in here. Let's get this cracking. Try to knock it out. Hey, what's up, man? Yo, what's up, man? Hey, uh, not much, dude. How you been? Good, man. Yo, Mark Claire really has been on a tear, hasn't he? Yeah, well, 
That, well, it wasn't even that. That's why I find it so weird, this whole thing, because everyone, like, we're like, oh, my God, he's on terror. I mean, he sort of is now. I guess he's more, like, unleashed. But, like, I like I mean, it. I love I, it. Yeah, I don't know if you kind of followed the, I guess, drama, but it was weird because it seemed contrived to me because it was, like, all he did was say what we kind of already knew for a while because he'd kind of alluded to it multiple times. So if you paid attention to him at all, you already kind of knew where he was at. So made no sense to me. <laughs> I'm completely naive of what happened, but yeah. um, <clears throat> I don't know. He's been really giving them hell for like politics and shit, which I'm all about. Yeah. I did his show when like there was drama with the Mises caucus. And I was surprised that like I thought it was going to be more like argumentative, but he was really like on board. I was yeah. surprised. No, it was like a week or two ago. I think he posted in some Mises caucus Facebook group or something. And, and I think he was just responding because someone pointed out that he liked a tweet that was kind of like, I think he liked one of Pete's tweets or something, you know, um, you know, so not something that we necessarily, <laughs> was, it, yeah, which I mean, it, it wasn't something that we necessarily would agree with, <laughs> uh, probably, but it still was just like silly. And then people called him out for it. And he was kind of like, yeah, I don't really think uh, Libertarian Party, the LPMC is really that useful. I don't want to tell you, like, <laughs> he kind of is, he's kind of, it seems to me, I'll talk to him about it later, but it seems to me he's kind of in the spot. Where I'm kind of like, if like if you're gonna go the politics route, you might as well go where there's actually something to be gained uh, politically. Uh, and if you're not, then don't do it. Like otherwise, so like that's my one of my main points. Not that I think you should go the political route, but like if you're going to, like why would you do this useless political thing? <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of my stance. Like, uh, but dude, Reno is gonna be so much fun. I mean, it'll be fun. A blast. I mean, I've told you, I go to LP events. If I had an unlimited well of money, I'd go to Reno, but I just can't justify spending going to Vegas just to hang but that's out. That's all it is, though. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just, it's just a good time. Like, nobody, nobody, none of the attendees actually think that more liberty is going to be produced from them all getting drunk in Vegas on the weekend, right? That's absolutely absurd. But that's where the money and the energy and resources of the LP continue to go to this day. And that's why we suck. Well, I mean, to be fair to them, I I, uh, I typically uh, try to steel man them a little bit. I think they think that they're going to get this takeover and they're going to have strong messaging. And I think they probably will to some extent. I just think it's going to go to shit over time. Uh, of course. Kind of, it's kind of this like short term. Destined for thing. shit. So, like, so, yeah. I, I, so there is something too, just like, uh, we, you know, Ron Paul always comes up in the discussion. He, don't get me wrong. He, he definitely, you know, spoke to a lot of people, but I think. I think it also got talked a little, a lot of people into going the political route. I think it, not to say that it was overall negative or anything. It's just kind of this idea that like, and I like to equate it to gambling. It's like, cool. Yeah. You might hit a jackpot every now and then, but it's like, I mean, overall, if you're playing just, if you're like playing like a, I guess it's just a casino overall. It's not good. But if you, I, I use the example of like a money slots. Like if all you ever do is money slots, you're going to statistically lose overall. <laughs> But like, yeah, sure, you may have a jackpot, you know, a decade ago. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, uh, sure, uh, I guess, yeah. I mean, yes, you do have wins occasionally, but the trend doesn't seem to go that way in general. So, and it's kind of like uh, my thing is it it feels like you're trying to fight incentives almost, but it's like, yeah, you can for a period of time, but it eventually it'll it'll over over the long period it'll it'll go back well, to the incentives point. You know? that's the whole thing i had like um like if you noticed i, I had a tweet or a, a facebook post where i don't know if you've noticed all the infighting has been going on has been going on it's all within the lp the mises caucus or like it's cross party like the republican right-wing libertarians versus the lpmc 
Agorist, it's not like that. With agorists, like you have to work with other agorists productively. You have to cooperate with them in order to produce a product or a service that you can bring to market that other people are going to be willing to trade their hard-earned paycheck for. Yeah. So it's like <clears throat> in politics, like you're naturally divided and you're naturally fighting. Whereas in agorism, it's exactly the opposite. You're naturally incentivized to work together. And I think it's like just you know, obviously, you know this shit. It's like part and parcel of the ideology. It's just. It yeah. just draws home. It just draws out what you and I have been preaching for a long time. But I'm sorry. I, I know we have a lot no, to cover today. I don't want to. No, yeah, yeah. I, I did want to touch on Mark one and... point because while we're on it, it is something that I find to be very weird and kind of creepy to see in this movement uh, because it's like everyone always shits on the duopoly. But uh, and, and it kind of it, it really you know shows its head here with the Mark situation, uh, which uh, like I said, it, it kind of it was a whole to do over nothing, but. One of the big critiques everyone gave him was like, well, why are you doing this right now? Why are you doing, we're going to Reno in like a week or whatever. Why are you doing it right now? And it's like, it's this, it's reminds me so much of like, yeah. I know when I used to be more of like a big L libertarian, like I remember talking to my parents and they'd be like, say with the Trump uh, uh, presidency, like I remember they, they would like agree with me and so many critiques of him and they'd be like, but like, <clears throat> maybe like, don't be blasting that out and saying that to a lot of people because like we're the elections, right? We're about to be the election. Like you don't want to, like, come on, like, you, like, do you really want to like, I mean, they're going to vote for the other guy. Like, is that what you want? And like, I mean, not necessarily. Like, I, I guess I kind of don't care, but like at the same time, it's like, yeah. I guess, yeah, sure. In a certain sense, maybe at that given time, it'd be like, I prefer they vote for this person over that person, but still like what? So I should just not say what I think because it might affect your vote. <laughs> Dude, we're all going to have a good time in Reno. What are you doing, man? You're ruining the good time. We're all going to get drunk and then like party and hit the slots. What are you doing? You're ruining it, man. That's what's going on, man. It's not yeah. about liberty. It's about them. Yeah, and it's always like, well, well, why don't you just focus on your own thing? And it's like, well, I don't know, because I'm interested in this and I have something to say about it. I, I don't know. Like, you do, because, like, it's not, because we're it's trying not like I'm to like, you with a stick. Like. I know. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not like, you have like a gun. You're like, you will be an agorist. It's like we're just trying to like convince you using logic and reason. But like that is offensive to them. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, and, and it is always like, why are you trying to break people down or whatever? And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily. I'm just talking to you. If you take it that way, I okay. <laughs> if, 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 if you take it that way, this probably means there's something wrong with your ideology. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's go ahead and get into it because we do have uh, – we are trying to finish this out because it's an – It's I think we have like 11 pages left, which that's easily an episode. But – I don't. I don't want to do the shit where we do six or, or do like seven, and then you have a <laughs> you have four pages to cover in the next episode, which is like nothing. Uh, I'm trying to keep these like contained to like subjects because I'd like to. I don't want to. I don't. The problem wanna, is that is yeah. Sam packs so much good material yes. into one paragraph. It's so difficult to just breeze right through it. But like I said, I'll I'll, I'll try my best to shut yeah. up as much as possible i mean if no no don't do that i mean say what you guys say i mean worst case scenario if anything if we start getting too deep into it it's almost like well you might as well we almost got like you almost just might as well just lean into it and then we only do like five or six pages and finish do another do a shorter episode dude I don't, i'll come back on i don't care i'll come yeah. back on a million times yeah we still have like uh probably what do we have we have robert lafair so that's two episodes probably at least right there I'm so happy we're gonna read Bob LaFave on a on a libertarian podcast. It's about time he got some fucking action. What and then we have thinker, Filthy LaFave. Pierre Strauss, which I mean that we may even be able to cover that one in one episode. The, literally his yeah, critique just, and the response, because yeah. they're both super short. So 
Uh, we have at least probably three episodes left, not including today's. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, I don't know if you remember where we were at. He was kind of going into, he was critiquing Rothbard. Uh, this is page Rothbard. 103 yeah. for the yep. audience, right? Yep. Just to clarify. Yep. 103 of the edition that doesn't have the Agris class theory in it. So uh, for those, because there's two different two versions of New Libertarian Manifesto. I'm not sure if it makes a difference with the page numbers. I'm unsure. Uh, maybe the font's different, makes it different. I have no idea. Uh, no. But yeah, he, he were just going over some of his critiques. They were talking about how like Rothbard kind of critiqued the, the aspect of like, oh, uh, you're ignoring the, the working class. And, and like me and you both. And yes, were, like, <clears throat> I know. Like I, I remember me and you pointed out like when in Rothbard's critiques that like what? That's literally the exact opposite. <laughs> like if anything, I feel like uh, working class people, generally speaking, the type of jobs oh. they work are actually more conducive to so entrepreneurial much, endeavors. <laughs> so much better represented yeah. by yeah. tourism. So much. Whereas, better if you're a brain surgeon, like yeah, you may have a hard time, you know, doing that job on the gray or black market. <laughs> I'm sure you could find ways to a little bit to some. I'd hire but, you. <laughs> I'd hire you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah, maybe you could somehow, I don't know, skirt around the insurance policy aspect. I don't know. Uh, but it, it it's almost like the I'm more, sure it's been done. Yeah, it's like the more hoity-toity or ecology of a job you have, the the harder it is to do it outside of it, which makes sense. Those are the ones that probably have more uh, what's the word? Like regulations. The and more, stuff on the them. more, yeah, right. The more tightly yeah. regulated, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into it. Uh, to do all on that list are at least twenty percent counter-economic, and many are over fifty percent. If they do not take the first step towards economic liberty by becoming independent contractors than their employer does tax-free tips for waitresses off the book illegal alien factory workers agents handling it for others writers and so on i challenge rothbard to find any legitimate economic field not serving the state that cannot be counter economized 10 that cannot be counter economized without organizational or uh or technological innovation or 100 that cannot be counter economized without significant gain in organizational efficiency and profit Conkinism has plenty of say to everyone who is not a statist. Uh, I have a thought there boo, 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 that cannot be counter. Yeah, and, and once again, I say this all the time. I do think the problem that Rothbard was kind of suffering from, uh, and once again, I've said I, I'm not sure how deeply he read this before he critiqued it, but uh, I think this is a common thing uh, a lot of ANCAPs and a lot of people who critique aggregism fall into. They fall into the binary thinking, which – Conkin's not applying a binary field. He's not saying that any of these workers are like, they have to be 100% in the in the thing. Like when he says uh, they cannot be counter-economized, he can literally just mean, you know, let's say with like waitresses, that like a portion of their check is not tracked by the state. Like and, and th like that, that right there is counter-economic. Like that may not be a, entirely counter-economic, but it's to some extent. Um, sorry, you going to say something? No, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, obviously Sam is on the money here. There's there's no, there's, the, the state is so extensive. It is protrudes into all of our lives so heavily that there's no way, there's no profession that exists that you can't, uh, you know, take up on the black or gray market somehow. Yeah. Rothbard's claim that political action is superior and preferable to civil disobedience. Enlightening the levy is an incredible distortion of history coming from the one who converted me to revisionism. There has never been a single repeal of taxation or significant cut, save a few minor ones in recent years for purposes of Keynesian tinkering or Lafferite, less gets more, that did not result from massive refusal to pay or the threat of such disobedience. Uh, probably best example is what, like, in the 
thirties, forties, whatever the, like before the great depression, when they had the, the really high tax rates for the rich, that's where the, no one actually paid that. They found ways to go around it. But anyways, um, furthermore, political action has resulted in shifts in the tax base and higher total plunder, such as the, the infamously spect- spectacular debacle of proposition 13 here in California. What was that again? That was like the cancer thing, wasn't it? Uh, Prop 13? I don't know. Was that weed? I don't don't know. Prop 13 was that early, was it? I felt like it was later, but maybe I'm wrong. Someone's probably watching like these idiots. I feel like Prop 13. I remember Prop 13 was big. I don't know what it is. I think it's the weed one, but I just, I guess I have a hard time believing when he wrote this, which is. Well, it could right. be. Maybe. <clears throat> I guess. No, weed wasn't legal back then. No. Not in California. No, it's too early. Yeah, I mean, because well, this is what written in the late '80s, early '90s, something like that. I mean, I don't remember exactly. Early '80s. Oh, not early '80s. Yeah, because one of these, the, I just looked back. The Rothbard critique was written in 1980. So. Yeah. So yeah, I, I highly doubt that was weed, but I don't know. Um, uh, Rothbard's agreement with Pyro Egon is ungraciously. Spurned by Mr. Egon, who informs me that what he sees as my political-like activity will not generate more entrepreneurs, but that entrepreneurs are indeed makeable. Rothbard and subsequent correspondence added that he believes entrepreneurs are born and not made, or at least not makeable. Uh, which I don't remember. I do vaguely remember Rothbard saying some weird shit like something like that. I mean, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if Konkin is completely representing it accurately, but I do remember that was kind of the spirit a little bit of what he was these saying. guys have had um argued over what an entrepreneur means like not Konkin, but like the like the austrian economist going way way back like all the way to like mises and then uh kurz israel kurzner and then peter klein and per byland are to th- to this day arguing over like what an entrepreneur actually does like are they a promoter are they a marketer are they an innovator are they a creator and i think that's just sort of like I would just say yes. That sort of ambiguity <laughs> is what he's talking on, right? Yeah. Um, successful entrepreneurs are not going to be agoric theoreticians like Konkin, but successful entrepreneurs, period. What do they need with Konkin and his group? How about me? Yeah. What about me? That's... How, how about Sorry. successful? No, you're good. Uh, successful businessmen are not going to be economic theoreticians like Dr. Rothbard, but successful businessmen, period. What do they need of Dr. Rothbard, his group? Uh, or successful engineers are not going to be physical or physics theoreticians like Dr. Einsteiner. Successful writers are not going to be English instructors like Professor Strunk. Need I belabor the Rothbard fallacy? Right. Yeah. But see, <clears throat> this is this is like Konkin at his um, like peak Konkin right here. Konkin's a chemist. He's like highly steeped in logic. That's how he found economics. He is just dismantling Rothbard's argument, which is incredible to me because Rothbard. I always thought was the master of logic, but then to watch Konkin pick him apart like this. Yeah. I mean, what a, what an easy fallacy to go after. It's just a, t- yeah. a terrible mistake on Rothbard's part. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't get why he, I mean, really there was a lot in that uh, thing that I was very much like kind of, whoa. I mean, part, but. I'm, I'm a, I'm not like successful, successful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like yeah. super rich or anything, but I'm, I'm living, I'm paying my bills. And I am an entrepreneur. I'm not like a professional theoretician, but I like to theorize about agorism. So I don't know what this guy's talking about, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there definitely is something to the aspect of like, like, yes, entrepreneurialism should be encouraged and be given 
I don't know, theories or uh, and stuff along those lines to, to have resources to help them get along in that way, as opposed to just be like, be an entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. It's almost yeah. like Rothbard is thinking to himself, like, people who are entrepreneurs aren't going to adopt agorism. But, like, little did either of them know that here we are in 2022 with, like, a growing agorist community of counter-economic entrepreneurs, just like Sam envisioned. So. Yeah. I would almost argue that an entrepreneur that does not, whether knowing or unknowingly, embrace uh, counter-economics, maybe not agorism, because that has more <clears throat> to it, uh, is probably not going to do very well in entrepreneurial. In yeah, entrepreneurial true. Life. Good point. Like, That's like, a very good point. Like, if you're not in <laughs> some ways, uh, uh, maybe not necessarily cheating or, like, or finding loopholes or like the, the idea that you're going to be an entrepreneur and do everything by the book, how it's supposed to be Good luck. is insane. Yeah. Good like, luck. I'm, I'm sure most, most entrepreneurs probably have the mentality of, you know, forgiveness, not permission kind of deal, which is fine. Like, and, and you know what, that's completely reasonable because in today's age, everything's so highly regulated that like, uh, like, like, for example, like I've said before with my cat business, uh, obviously I do everything above board. But to be honest, I don't even know all the fucking laws that go in place with it. it like, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know how the fuck I could be compliant. And if I but who cares? Actually, That's you know, the whole thing. It's a joke. Yeah. But who cares? if I ever got busted, Free then people I would be don't like, care. And if I ever got busted, I mean, like, how much are they really going to? I mean, not that I'm doing anything wrong, but like or legally wrong, but like. Say I was like, if I ever got busted, it'd be like, okay, okay like, ooh, or it would be a situation like, okay, well, what's the fine here? What do I got to pay you? And then there, I'd be a little bit more aware at that point of that rule and maybe figure out how to skirt around it, or if I really got right. to, maybe comply with it because it's like, well, it's better than getting fucked. So, like, and that's um, that's the whole thing. It's like free people don't don't ask for permission. Yeah. Like they're not. We're not going to be like, oh, hey, I have this business. What what? How, how do I register it? Who do I have to pay my my fees to? And I have to how I how do I bring myself into compliance we don't ask that like that's it's just insane to me that's what slaves do it's slave behavior yeah and it's just not even really reasonable which is one thing i think it may have been agris primer that rothbard or Konkin pointed out the idea that like I, I think he was pointing out and how like if you price your product too low you can get fined if you price it or too high you're it's illegal if you <laughs> price it exactly along the lines of your competitors and now you're engaged in a cartel and that's illegal. And it's like, right. So the, right. The exactly. Idea, the idea that you're going to wait and make sure everything's above board and everything is just a little bit ridiculous, but every, every, yeah. entre every successful entrepreneur I know, um, I can't think of one that doesn't cut corners when they're able to, I mean, yeah. digital nomads that I, that I know friends of mine who are agorists that live in other countries that do this. Um, Jack Spierko, not that he, I'm, I'm not accusing anybody of doing anything illegal, of course, but like these are like these are all it's all proof of, of what you're saying. Yeah. Rothbard's position on libertarians being dichotomized from entrepreneurs is absolutely monstrous to me. Same. Libertarian, yeah. Libertarian has nothing to do with what one says, but with what one does. Hence, libertarians must be more trustworthy and have a more rational understanding of the market, or they are not libertarians, regardless of what they beguilingly profess so this is like that's something that i really didn't understand <clears throat> until i i read it in like i don't know if it was mises or it might have been like even more nerdy like super nerd it might have been like kersner or something where like they like i think the part that i read was like um it might have been a conversation with block or Bile, i don't remember but like the idea is that the entrepreneur is the motor of the economy 
It's the entrepreneur who allocates resources, right? It's, it's up to the entrepreneur to determine where value goes. Like, oh, like, for example, what we have this um, baby formula shortage going on. So like any normal thinking entrepreneur is thinking to themselves, hey, how do I get some baby formula into my local grocery food store right now? But you can't because the FDA is up your ass. So it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm, I forgot where I'm going with all this. but Red, red market I'm, activity uh, idea, abduct Abby Shapiro and use her for the product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not agorism. That's not agorism. That's red market. I'm just saying it's a good it's a good. A good business opportunity. I can't. I can't advocate it on libertarian invest. grounds, but just saying. I didn't invest. <laughs> this is a basis for my muckraking, for which Doctor Rothbard uh, commends me. On the whole, I find the same lack of black colored glasses to, in him. I hasten to add. And what personal experience or academic study leads Rothbard to conclude that pre-libertarian counter-economists do just fine without agorists to cheer them on and free them from guilt? My personal experience leads me to precisely the opposite conclusion, and I have the contributions and letters of gratitude to prove it. And I actually kind of agree with that. Even me before I got into agorism, even as a libertarian, not that I was like racked with guilt, but there was one portion of my brain that was like, if I'm doing something illegal or, you know, there's this weird like, Meh. like it's almost like there's this moral tinge to it. If, if you, even though, you know, it's not, I knew rationally it wasn't, but then like agorism kind of like, once you get on board with that, you're like, no, I don't a shit. <laughs> that's the, that's the key. I think like, yeah. <clears throat> I never gave a shit about the law, but yeah. <clears throat> like in my younger days, I never cared about the law, but I was more like invigorated when I learned there was a theory that to go, to go with, with what I was up to anyway. Like once yeah. I learned that like what I was doing was justified, it was off to the races, you know. Yeah. And also, like I guess it wasn't even necessarily a moral thing. There also was some aspect that like if I ever got caught doing something illegal, it would almost be like the end of the world. But then when you go get a more rational view of the world, you're like, okay, well, there's more <clears> nuance <throat> to that. Yes, if I get caught killing a dude, might be an issue. Uh, now, if I get caught, I don't know, uh, hiding one thousand dollars in taxes from the U.S. government. I mean, okay, well, they're just going to be like, give us our fucking money. I'm like, okay, you caught me. <laughs> see, see, again, but this goes back to like <clears throat> like risk tolerance that Connie's yeah. always talked about. You have kids and a family and shit. Yeah. You, have a, you have a lower risk tolerance. I can do three months in, in yeah. county, and, I, and it's like, you know, a spiritual retreat for me. It's just an opportunity to radicalize my, yeah. my fellow inmates. So, you know. Yeah, but it was just like the stigma that even if it was just something little like that, like, oh, my God, you cheated on your taxes? Like. Like what? Like you're having to deal with the IRS? Like oh my god! Like I don't know. Now you're like, yeah, yeah, be a hassle, but like whatever, I'll deal with it. <laughs> now you're like, I was like, oh man, I went to jail for not paying my taxes. It's like, dude, it's nice to meet you. It's like, can, can I buy you a beer? Like, I really respect you. Yeah. Uh, in short, whatever plant the good doctor is describing in contradistinction in my counter economy surely is not Earth. Rothbard's statement that violent revolution, what other kind is there against the ruling class? Would he like to mention an establishment that has stepped down peacefully? Has never succeeded in history, distorts either the language or history. Uh, although, I mean, th there's so many words. I, I will say to Rothbard and to Konkin's point, there's so many words in the, that statement that depending on how you define any single word can change what you mean. Here. Right. Because, like, yeah, what do you mean by succeed? Like... What do you mean by violent revolution? Violent, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. That's what I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So either he is saying that no revolution has been libertarian enough to triumph without its contradictions bringing it down. True, but then irrelevant to bring it up as precedent. 
or he is saying that no group overthrew a ruling class that used democratic means of oppression. The latter is not only false, but a direct reversal of history. Nearly all somewhat successful revolutions in recent history have overthrown precisely democratic trappings. American revolutionaries versus democratic British imperialists. Jacobin revolutionaries versus bourgeois ensemble. Liberal revolutionaries against the Tsar's Duma. And the Bolshevik Revolution against the liberals and social democrats. The phalange against the Spanish Republican, uh, Republic. Peron's shirtless ones against the Argentine Parliament. The National Liberation Front of Vietnam versus South Vietnamese Parliament, or at least until near the end. The popular overflow of Alain's democratically elected regime. And the recent overthrow of the democratically elected but right-wing president of El Salvador by a centrist popular junta. This list is not exhaustive. A claim that violent revolution has only succeeded in democratic countries with free elections would be nearer the mark and is often used by Latin American militaries as justification for preventive coups. All of the above uh, revolutionary groups have their credentials open to libertarian question, to be sure. But who has not so far? To close up this side issue, either Rothbard is saying that all violent overthrows of states were not revolutions because they were not libertarian, in which case a libertarian case is untried, or he's historically wrong. Rothbard has a chutzpah to demand that I separate libertarianism from counter-economists because the latter don't need it, and then turn around and ask why the Russian counter-economists have not condensed into agoras. Are you ready to say something, or was that just a... No, I, no, no. <clears throat> Human action is willed action. Without entrepreneurs of libertarianism... Uh, it will not be sold. I like that. Human action is willed action. Yeah, that's it's so true though. Like yeah. like without entrepreneurs to sell it, yeah, it would it would never have happened. It, it like think of okay, yeah, Ron Paul might have gotten some steam in like 2008, 2012. He might have peaked, like interest might have peaked, but you never would have had this continuing movement if you didn't have entrepreneurs like Tom Woods making podcasts for us to learn from and um people writing books like Bob Murphy and Per Byland and like guys like you having podcasts and I'm selling 3d printers and this guy's doing that. It's like, it's the entrepreneurship that keeps the ball moving. And that's, yeah. that's what Conkin's saying here. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, don't know, I just like the idea that, well, I also think he's getting at the point of that, like the idea that uh, I, I guess kind of plays his entrepreneurial points a little bit too. It's the idea that you need to will it. Like it needs to be something that we kind of foster. You can't just be like, oh, here's this theory. Uh, ta da. Like, I mean, obviously people right. say, like, we're going the political route and that's their willed action. But it's like, okay, well, there's a little, you, you need to have more to it than that than just this one centralized. Like, even if you are to accept the political aspect side of it, like, the very least, you should additionally be like, also be doing this on the individual level. Uh, like, right. So, like, I don't know. and critics have a hard time. Whenever I, I bring that up to them, they have a hard time understand. That's a really difficult concept for them to grasp somehow. Yeah. Like it's it's very binary to the average critic. Yeah. Even so, my estimation of the Soviet scene matches that of several Russian dissidents. That Russia is a powder keg waiting to <clears> go <throat> up. The Polish situation, of course, fits the agorist paradigm perfectly. Right down to counter economic workers being co-opted by the party arc like solidarity union. Rothbard thus fails to make any substantive case against counter-economics and hence against agorist strategy. He shoots at peripherals and warps either language or history to make his case. Still, our disagreement seems to me to be largely one of misunderstanding, a misunderstanding of verifiable facts, not speculative theory. This is hardly surprising since, to my knowledge, 
We share the same premises and analytic methods. Considering that I adopted mine from his is even less surprising. Yes, I I want to stress that last couple sentences there because that's one thing people give Konkin and Agorism shit for all the time. And it's like people don't realize that it's literally based in Austrian economics. Like these are all uh, – all of these – like you may not like like where his logic ended up or disagree with where his logic ended up. But at the very least, you need to realize that it's rooted in the same place that you guys are coming from because a lot of people like – Then also this, like – This is comedy <clears throat> bullshit or something. You're like, dude, this is like – and cap as fuck. <laughs> but, but but the well, I think he said somewhere that we're we're more Rothbardian than Rothbard. But yeah. this is also like not only do the people on the right think that we're leftists, but the people on the on the left get this confused too. You see, because we have there's like a class theory that's <clears throat> in a couple ways sympathetic to Marx's class theory. We yeah. get sort of lumped in with them. Then again, so was Hava. And, but <laughs> yeah, go on. right exactly yeah. but like that's that's one of the sort of myths that i try to dispel in anti-politics or at least not dispel but explain where that comes from yeah which i mean i guess i can get it some ways i mean uh Konkin was like a fat science fiction writer <clears throat> so i can see how people make their you know make their assumptions <laughs> well, well no dude it's like it's like oh, anarchism started as a leftist philosophy i don't want to yeah. get too sidetracked but like <laughs> Also, like leftist anarchism, but they don't believe in politics. So, like that's why Agorism really fits this this line of thinking historically. Rothbard's critique of new libertarianism seems to rest on seeing tips of icebergs and dismissing the vast bases. That's a good way to put it. He sees only the one percent of the economy thought of as black market, and not the twenty to forty percent of the economy that the IRS sees as underground, and double that for the rest of the counter economy that the IRS ignores as irrelevant to taxation. It takes a libertarian educated by Rothbard and others to perceive a common characteristic and sum up the anti-status whole. I do think that's an important point he makes there. And that, I mean, I don't think these stats uh, line up anymore, I'm sure. I'm sure they've changed to some extent, whether more or less. But yeah, that was something you did mention earlier in the book, that 20 to 40% of the economy sees, is seen as underground. And by that, like, entirely black. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, maybe some red. I mean, I'm sure you could say some red, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's even bigger nowadays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, I was reading an article. They were said that like over 50 billion dollars in cryptocurrency remains like untaxed, and the IRS is like flipping a shit because of it. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, just think about how many other places that that that's that's also how many other economic sectors that's also occurring in. Yeah, and then even then, like I always make the point that it's not a binary. So the, that's the twenty to forty percent is literally the entirely black market. So and he says double that for like basically like gray. So like you know shades of gray throughout. So right. if anything, the minority in the in the economy is the white market. Like the white market is the aberration here that they're trying to make. Right. Like that the the state is exactly. trying to convince you is the norm. <laughs> like it's like no, it's not. Um, and the same can be said of Rothbard's view of my activities and hundreds of other new libertarian allies around the world. The small but warranted attention we pay to, this, the, to his few deviations seem prominent to him and understandably so. The somewhat larger amount of public criticism we have of the LP and other activities that interest him most, whether in our publications or at public forums, is what interests him and hence remains foremost in his attention. He has never meant that 10,000 people that I conservatively estimate have called themselves libertarians after primary or secondary contact with me and my hardcore allies, and so they are invisible to him. The network of counter-economic businesses that we are painstakingly nurturing and the millions of dollars cumulatively exchanged invisibly are likewise understandably invisible to him as well. 
I, for one, see no real barrier to reconvergence, regroupment, as the Marxists would say, between Rothbard and his sane, sober, anarchist center and us ultra-left deviationists. Uh, there's that left again. But once again, I always like to stress he meant left in like a not utilized <clears throat> well, he, paradigm. This is, that, that, that's what Rothbard – I think that he's using Rothbard's words against us. Yeah. I think Rothbard called us ultra-left deviationists. Yeah. And which is a charge we're still dealing with today, which is yes. ironic because I actually consider them to be the left of us, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, Rothbard's remaining criticism is really not that germane to the manifesto itself, uh, though it makes up the majority of his article. Yet in some ways is the most telling criticism of me personally in that it vitiates as a compliment to my writing ability when I most obviously failed to communicate effectively. <laughs> I like that. I don't know why. I mean, that's just smart writing. Right <laughs> He's like, you called me a good writer, but obviously I'm a shitty writer because you're really smart and didn't seem to fucking get what I'm saying. <laughs> it obviously got lost in transmission. <laughs> Most of his... It's like a weird, like... What, what's it called when you, like, neg yourself? What's it called? Deprecate, Self-deprecating, but also, yes, like, shitting yes. on him at the same time. <laughs> that was, like, masterfully done. Uh, Most of his criticisms of me are misreadings in the latter part, and I will but list and deny them were urgent. Of course, the party question is another problem entirely. New libertarianism does have an organizational preference. Other forms of organization might then be considered non-new libertarian, but not necessarily unlibertarian or even non-agorist. What the new libertarian strategy seeks is to optimize action leading to a new libertarian society as quickly and as cleanly as possible. Activities that lead to authoritarian dependency and passive acceptance of the state are suboptimal and frowned upon. Uh, do, 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 do. I like that, suboptimal, which is a good way to put it, because, uh, I mean... Because that's one thing uh, when it comes to like, you know, talking about people engage in political action. It's like we may not necessarily like, yeah, sure. Maybe there are examples where you do something that's sure you can make a case is good. It's just overall, it's suboptimal. But well, this is like this is like the, the, the lesser of evils argument that like yeah. the end caps give you. It's like you have candidate A and candidate B and candidate A is, is you know, more benevolent than candidate B. So why wouldn't you support candidate A? And my response has always been it's fine to say that one candidate is preferable to another candidate, but neither are acceptable. The only yeah. acceptable option is my freedom. Yep. And he goes, action that is individualistic, entrepreneurial, and market organized are seen as optimal. And I will agree with that. I don't, I honestly don't see how anyone would disagree with that. And that's, I know it's like in today's age, decentralized or centralized are almost like these, um, what's it like a, what's it like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, just these terms that are overused or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of true, but there is something to the fact of if you're dealing with, you know, this huge behemoth of the state or whatever you want to call it, the, the monster that is the state, the idea that we're going to centralize and we're going to defeat it is kind of silly. If anything, our power is kind of our individualism. That's not to say we can't work in groups or networks, but it's a different type of network. It's to, to bring it to right. like cryptocurrency. It's like <clears throat> the, the difference between nodes or there's just like one clump of something like, like we're, it's almost like a hive or a, or, or a series of like, you know, it's like when you see like ant colonies that go for like, they have ones that go for like, I think ones that go for like miles in some countries where it's like, there's just networks. It's like, like good luck fucking with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> like, well, it's, uh, it's, it's like we were saying before we went on how, or maybe we were on, I don't remember, but like how 
like 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 uh, in the in, in the agorism you work together and in politics like you have to work against one another and that's how yeah. you define success in both of those realms and like obviously you know you and i think or at least i think that any sort of political participation sort of almost like lends credence to the institution like even if i if i think the lp sucks but all right i'm still going to donate my money and show up to the events I am legitimizing them. I'm helping them. I'm making them seem like a legitimate party because now they can say, hey, here's another member who's willing to donate his time and energy and resources. We're a real thing. That prolongs the suffering. That's why, like, I posted a meme earlier about, like, um, your obedience uh, Your obedience is prolonging this nightmare. So many people from the LP like to tweet, and I don't want to say shit, but it's like, you're the ones being obedient who are prolonging this shit. Yeah, there is definitely something to the idea because people do like to make it this like, uh, you know, it's funny because we always make they you know, we're so common to make fun of duopoly, but they they like to make it this like state versus us. And that is true. And it, but it's like, OK, but you're going to play their game and go head to head or or just it'd be like, well, I'm just going to go do something else. Like, why would I play your fucking game? This is a game you made and you've completely set all the rules and all the terms and everything about it. Like, I'm not saying there aren't like, sure, you can make some argument that there are benefits in some certain niche ways. But overall, it's like this thing was literally constructed for you to know. It's like it's almost like playing one of those carnival games. You're like, dude, you know, there's you know, this shit is like like I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to carnival and be some like strength test or some shit. My wife is like, oh, go do it. You're so big and strong. I'm like. Okay, but I'm also not retarded. Like, I'm just gonna lose my money. Like, like this, this is made. This is made to play on the ego of buff dudes. Like, this is what this right. is for. Like, this is clearly made for them to make money. Like, this is not here for me to show off to you. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, like where he says that he goes activities that lead to authoritarian dependency, blah blah blah, should be frowned upon. <clears throat> Think about what like political participation teaches you it teaches you like parliamentary rules and procedures and like how to like like follow the leader and to fall in line with 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 other like-minded folks whereas agorism teaches you the opposite it teaches you to innovate and to like be creative and to to look for ways to bring value to others like which would you rather learn right would you rather like like take it would you rather glean that authoritarian dependency that's what it is right that's what if you're dedicating your life to to the rules of, of Robert's to learning Robert's rules of order, that's authoritarianism. If you're on the on the other hand, if you're dedicating your life to creating and building products others value, that's that's a much more noble pursuit in my opinion. It doesn't even make sense how anyone could think otherwise. Yeah, with that constantly the reader's awareness, uh, it is obvious that there are no moral questions other than individual self worth involved in organization and hierarchy. My lumping them all together that Rothbard decries might be considered integration of concepts by others. It's like no moral questions involved in organization and hierarchy. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, he's basically yeah. saying what, what we tell people every day, right? Yeah. Everybody who's, who complains to Agor, you Agorists don't believe in hierarchy. And Per Byland has really said this the best. It's like, it's not that we don't believe in hierarchy. It's like, if you want to voluntarily form a hierarchy or voluntarily join a hierarchy, yeah. that's great. God bless. Have fun. Yeah, I'm in a family. I have a There's a hierarchy here. Like. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What we're saying, though, is There's that a hierarchy like, you know, amongst a group of friends, like even in a social hierarchy, whether you want to admit it or not. But yeah, go on. Right. 
but like in in the market in a free market economy the opportunities would be so much more vast and and the the playing field would be much more level and horizontal it wouldn't be this vertical like the political leader up top and maybe some can trickle down to us everybody would have more opportunities it would be it would be a much less uh, hierarchical society it'd be much yeah. less tiered like 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 by class yeah, That's the whole point is, of it's weird too because these people that will decry uh agorism as being anti-hierarchical well i will then explain like you'll talk to them and you'll be like okay like obviously here's my thing if you're ever in any sort of society that egalitarianism is the goal then you're not going to have egalitarianism if, if anything you it's this weird quandary where you get the opposite like the more you try to get egalitarianism the less you get of it but now if you have anarchy a free society free market and in Kapistan, whatever you can get them to agree but like but there would be more uh, of it. it'd be more egalitarian right like yeah right. Like, they're, they're like, <laughs> right. right like it's like we're not making egalitarianism the goal here in any way shape or form i'm but just like saying we're just describing a natural byproduct of what will happen in this situation yeah but like 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 their definition of of egalitarianism is not our definition of again. Like I think Tom Sowell said it best. Like, there's like equality only exists in terms of opportunity. Like that's it. Like, you can only give people equal. You can only make them equal in opportunity. You can't make them yeah. equal in outcome. You yeah. and I can have the same opportunity opportunities in life to succeed, but we're not going to have the same outcomes because it's going to depend on circumstances and who works harder and I at what and who gets lucky and what shit happens to who. Like it, it's it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Nowhere have I ever opposed joint stock companies. After I penned NLM, I set up precisely that to own New Libertarian Magazine. I so hold on. So, so I'm sorry, but like this is funny to me because, and I think we said this in the last one. Yeah. Rothbard, I mean, Konkin has specifically advocated for, um, and he might go into this. I he might be saying this in a second, but like, yeah, he has specifically said, don't if you if you ever have a successful entrepreneurial venture that grows and grows and grows, don't form a corporation. Because that's not consistent with the non-aggression principle. Why? Because it exists by state charter and they receive special benefits. That's why agorists don't like corporations. ANCAPs don't like that we don't like corporations. They must they must have a thing for these state-created uh, corporations that, that receive privileges from the government and politicians. In reality, <clears throat> they're probably just naive as to what the technical definition of corporation is. But Konkin says... Instead of that, don't worry, you can still form a joint stock company, which is a, a NAP friendly or an agorist friendly alternative to the corporation. This is where everyone, everyone uh, files involuntarily. And it's, it's, it's a much more um, nonviolent way to like organize like a successful business. But it's yeah, just, it was just weird to me that Rothbard said that in the first place. I will say, though, I think in the past few years, a lot of ANCAPs have really uh, turned heel on the corporation stance and have seen the error of their ways. But tw like 2020 and you know onwards has really been good at uh, opening people people's eyes in that regard. And I know, like, but they yeah. still don't like for some reason they, they it's hard. Like a lot of the people who are attacking corporations are right libertarians because it's it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's a social thing. Fine, have at it. God bless. But like like understand that this is a failure of your philosophy right understand that this is a, a major yeah. failure you, you know what i mean like you, yeah they no don't you're right they don't, they don't put that together you, 
you said that like there was one thing a while ago i don't remember what the topic of the day was but it was a it was a common talking point for a while amongst multiple people and they would they the they, they were talking about in relation to corporations something and they would they were basically like well we're not okay with this and it might have, it might have been one of the desantis things or something to do with corporations i don't know but a lot of people were like you know being like well i don't know like uh, i'm not really a fan of and, and like and I kept pointing out, I'm like, okay, well, the reason they would say like, well, you know, maybe we should just not be, I mean, like we can't always be principled or I forget how, what the comment, there was like a talking point going around. That's my wild. favorite one. Yeah. And it's like, or maybe you're not thinking correctly about your principles because corporations are a product of the state. Like, and this is what I would, I always try to tell people that like, if you're thinking of public and private in terms of binary, you're kind of fucking up because like corporations, like. I mean, maybe it's not appropriate to call them entirely uh, the state, but they're also not free market. <laughs> like, so not it, even close. Yeah. And once you start realizing that and thinking in that way, then you realize, oh wait, no, I can just think about this differently and more nuanced, and I don't have to have this weird thing where I just go like, well, we can't always be principled, like, or or but like, or like, or or like maybe sometimes <clears throat> you know our principles have to take a back seat or whatever the the common talking point was at the time. It's like or maybe your principles are off in some way you need to rethink them because principles are supposed to be these things that allow you to navigate the world and if right. they don't then you're fucking up you need new principles or to think about your current ones differently or or, or maybe you're misapplying them somehow yes. but like yeah. that's not the narrative that the state wants us to have they want us to be like it, it has to be this emotional thing and notice how there's always children and, and pedos involved. So they want to get you riled up and it's, and it's always this like really emotional experience and it's right versus left. And it, it goes back to, I mean, historically it goes back way, way back to like the origins of like the civil war and like the, the, the Puritan influence in the North and the Yankees and the, the Southern, the Southern uh, culture of like, freedom and like independence and liberty and it's just this culture of war continues to this very day america has been dealing with it since its founding and it, it shows no signs of letting up it's only ramping up yeah uh junkie jeff said it best in his thing he he, he mentioned public private partnerships like think about how many times you hear that now uh yeah like, think about what that means for a moment <laughs> i know i know <laughs> it's um, insane to me yeah all right uh do, 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 do. Uh, I've never suggested floating affinity groups uh, should Dr. Rothbard set up a general uh, libertarian alliance that runs no candidates, engages in no statism. I will take out a hundred year membership immediately. I urge him to call me out on this point. I see fewer problems in organization than does Rothbard and can easily seem, see some organizations not having any. Uh, there is a bit of irony in Rothbard's spirited defense of the Coctopus. Oh, we're going to get the good stuff now. Uh, where Rothbard got really fucking cringe there. Yeah. Where he was going on about the LP. Um, since his own defection, but I'll let that pass. Uh, I have to mention his secession from and opposition to it because that effectively ends my major objection to it. And I find it relatively harmless, conceivably needing my defense in the near future as a chorus of opposition swells. To the extent that my early attacks are responsible for demonopolization of the movement, I am thankful. Well, this is his own defection. Oh, that's weird. That's kind of interesting little historical context here. It sounds to me like he's saying in the period of time between when Rothbard wrote his uh, response and when he did his, that's around the time that Rothbard kind of kicked the bucket of the Coctopus, essentially. I don't know. Right. What it is. 
So that's kind of funny. Uh, a large portion of what Rothbard was probably going on does not even apply now at this point. <laughs> so silly, silly. Like, and by the and I say in this point, by the time Conkin is writing this, so right, he's already right. he's already heel turned. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much time is between each. I guess I can look real quick because uh, oh no, he didn't have a date on this one. Well, that fucks it up. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's interesting. I know that's a little interesting historical context there so maybe he won't go too much into it because maybe he's going to be nice and be like i'm not going to beat you over the head of something you already clearly saw the error of <laughs> um do, do, do. yeah so to the extent that my early attacks are responsible for the demonopolization of the movement i am thankful so he's kind of taking a little bit of a he, he 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 wasn't entirely gracious he was more like all right he took a little bit of credit for it <laughs> well no it's just like he's throwing he's throwing he's throwing rothbard's words back at him it's like <laughs> if i'm if i'm the guy who was able to sort of break up the coctopus then god bless yeah for the record, my aim in drawing attention to the monocentrism around Koch's money as specula- uh, spectacularly as I did was a warning. Too many neo-libertarians think that only taking money from the state leads to dependency and control. True, it is not immoral in a libertarian sense to become a billionaire's kept writer or lap activist, but it hardly serves a movement's image or substance and hence is unnew libertarian. I knew the rest of the left would attack libertarians for being a plutocrat's tool, as Mother Jones eventually did, and took action to show the existence of diversity and independence. Offhand, I'd say it worked. I agree with all of Rothbard's defense of millionaire libertarians, and I have a few, not multimillionaires to be sure, in alliance with me. His solution to increase competition in the movement is and was my solution. I doubt that having Coke compete with himself is a viable answer, though. <laughs> Even Rothbard seems hesitant about suggesting it. It's like Rothbard wrote Monopoly Theory. What is he doing right now? <laughs> uh, my being unfair to Charles Coke requires a bit of semantic care. I have never implied that Charles Coke uh, personally was motivated to do anything. Anybody who threw millions into the movement with a bit of judgment in buying up institutions would have produced the same results. I'll take Rothbard and Lafares, who uh, who know him personally, word that Coke is a great guy. May he profit richly and evade the state forever, but may he never buy another politician. <laughs> it's like, why uh, is this hard? I don't even get it at this point. Yeah. And may <clears throat> he contribute to his heart's content to any libertarian or libertarian organization, save the LP. Gee, what a great movement when a poor activist such as I can be so generous to an oil billionaire. <laughs> Oh man, it's kind of being a little dickish, but it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that. That was one point I think we brought up multiple times that like he's literally like all the shit Rothbard was throwing at him was like Straw okay, man. but none of that, none Hell of that, of sh- yeah, none of that shit is shit Conkin said. He literally is saying in this specific example of this already incredibly centralized entity that that is you know essentially engaging with the state in one way, shape, or form. You know, on in their game. And then you also additionally have one extremely wealthy person basically controlling everything to some extent. Like, yeah, I mean, like, it's not not saying there's anything wrong with billionaires, but, like, I mean, we can kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit if you apply a little bit of intelligence. So, um, it, it's, it's sad that um, all these critiques are so heavily fallacious because – they became the basis of all of the critiques that we still it still get thrown at us today. Yeah, and it's it like is weird. Rothbard, yeah, it is true. Yeah, but it's like if Rothbard didn't make those logical errors and he saw the value of of counter economics, it's like where would we where would where would we be today? 
maybe there wouldn't be any end caps. Maybe it would just be a, a vast agorist movement. And we would be like light years ahead of where we are today. We would be like, would have had Bitcoin in like 2001. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of those what if questions. You'll never know the answer to, yeah. but. Uh, I mean, on the other hand, maybe he also would have gotten less uh, since he, if Rothbard hadn't been as hip to the whole political, because even when he left, uh, left the LP, he went the paleo route. So maybe he would have received, he would have been less of a notable historical figure had he gone that route too. So maybe it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. I don't know. Uh, what if, so it can be crazy. But but I'll go further than Rothbard in my willing recognition of the positive personal characteristics of the Coctopus. Roy Childs may be cranking unforgiving at times, but he's a fun, erudite person of superior taste. No more deviationist than Dr. Rothbard. Jeff Riggenbach remains a friend, associate, and sometimes ally. ally. Just died. Yeah, just just passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, didn't he do like a? T- isn't Riggenbach the guy who did a ton of like uh, audiobooks and stuff? Oh yeah, he's the guy who narrates Anatomy of the State. That yeah, amazing like narration that we all love from Mises. Yeah. That's yeah. him. Uh, Jeff Riggenbach remains a friend, associate, and sometime ally, even working full time for Coke's Libertarian Review. Joan Kenny Taylor, Victoria Varga, Milton Mueller. Who did I leave out? I've had nothing but enjoyable contacts with them all. Even Ed Crane. Uh, is a laugh a minute with a ready handshake and a fast quip who serves liberty as he sees best for him in the movement. Which, you know what? I got to say, even for myself, not that I think I'm like a conkin in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I mean, if I apply this to modern ways, it's the same thing. I am friends with like damn near all the people. Like, maybe friends might be putting it a little bit uh, heavy, but I am for pretty much most, a lot of the, not maybe a lot, but a, for especially i have a lot of friends but then even then some of the notable figures in the party i'm if not a acquaintance i'm usually i'm somewhere between an acquaintance and a friend with almost most of them if not almost all of them so even (laughs) even sarwak huh no not sarwak i'm I'm talking about (laughs) the the modern uh one okay specifically (laughs) the good ones yeah the good ones yeah because i think they're good like, I think Dave Smith is awesome. I think Michael Heiss is awesome. I think Angela McCarroll is awesome. I think Josh Smith is awesome. I think they're all great people. I, I like them. I, I also think they all think they're doing the right thing as well. I think we just disagree. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I, and again, not to, like, sound like a, like a broken record here, but, like, in agorism, you have to get along with people. Because if you don't, then, then you're going to fail, right? So, like, um. I'll give you a quick example. There's, I'm, I probably this thing I've been working on has been, um, and I hope it's it's probably too early to even reveal this, but I've been thinking about putting together like um, a subscription box service for agorists and libertarian types. And I'm thinking to myself, what can I put in these boxes that that people? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just dope, but like dope and guns. I say hey, I'd sign up for that, but no. Like in all seriousness, like. I can turn to all these different libertarians and be like, hey, what products do you guys have that people would be interested in? And it's like, like I don't know if you saw this like fight between um, – I don't know. Just pick any fight between two libertarians. I need to be able to go to both of them and say, hey, I got this thing going on. Like what products of yours can I buy you know, that are going to fit into this box and that be, would appeal to libertarians? I don't care about the infighting because I have a product to sell. I'm trying to bring a product to market. I can give two shits less – who called who what name on twitter like that doesn't even come into play in agorism we, like that's how entrepreneurship drives us to spread the message like that's how that's how it's supposed to work oh well, yeah no that's a that's a good idea i uh 
I mean, uh, definitely, you should probably definitely hit up Top Lobster because he's definitely would be good for something. Like he's that. one of the ones I was thinking about, and like that's the example in my head. But I didn't want to bring up yeah. the drama with him and him and Jack Lloyd. <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, like before they even got into a fight, I was thinking to myself, man, Top Lobster has some great shit I can include. Hey, maybe I can throw Jack Lloyd's book into one box. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even want to like get involved with like the fight between them because I, I don't want to like spoil my business relationship with either of them. Yeah, not that I have a business relationship. I've worked with Top yeah. on some NFT no. shit before. I've never, I've never worked with Jack, but maybe yeah, I got, one day I will. Yeah, I got dragged into that a little bit. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, which I don't even care. I'm like, this is dumb. And honestly, Jack gets on my nerves sometimes, which is weird because <laughs> I've met Jack in person. He's a great guy. I don't know what his deal is when he gets online, but whatever. We're not gonna go into that. Um, may none of us ever sink to ad hominem. Finally, the Libertarian Party. Uh, Rothbard says he will assume for the moment that a libertarian particle, uh, li- uh, libertarian political party is not evil per se. I wonder how open he would be to assuming the state is not evil per se and then continuing the discussion of some legislation. Let us see where it leads him. It seems to lead to the wonder of repeal of laws. Rothbard's historical acumen seems to have failed him again. Since when did the state repeal anything from the corn laws to suburban property tax unless it had lost the authority to maintain that law? Yeah. Uh, first comes no, count- no, 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 the just real quick, quick example the legalization of marijuana. It only occurred because of mass nonviolence, nonviolent civil disobedience, mass noncompliance with the law. Yeah. The state had actually start, started to lose credibility because they had this law on the books which they couldn't enforce. Yeah. So eventually they had to bring the law into compliance with public opinion, not vice versa. And that's how, that's yeah. how agorism works. Yeah. And then the inverse holds true too. Like, uh, I mean, not entirely true. Cause obviously when a state enters, enters crazy authoritarian places, it's that's when it's doesn't hold true to this. But on the, on the inverse of that too, most laws don't go into place until it's like something that's already kind of like the best example is child labor. By the time they made child labor laws, it was like, kids weren't really working in the coal mines as much it wasn't really a thing it was kind of like and then they get to go oh look we got rid of it and you're like yeah well no one was really doing that anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so cool i guess good job asshole yeah. and like and even then the ones that were it was probably because they really fucking needed to but exactly uh, and now they're starving yeah um First comes counter-economic scufflawing, then massive civil disobedience, and then the threat of insurrection, and only then repeal. No, I don't agree with LaFaire that it's immoral to repeal the draft, uh, assuming LaFaire would say precisely that, but it is immoral to support politicians to oppress us because they might relieve one oppression. So Bob LaFave thought that like you couldn't even repeal bad laws. Like yeah. he did, he wanted nothing to do with them whatsoever. And his Bob LaFave's whole idea was, no, fuck you, I'm not complying. I want anything to do with your government. Just fuck you, leave me alone. And they'd be like, all right, well, do you want to support us? We're gonna we're gonna make murder illegal. He'd be like, fuck you, I don't want anything to do with your government. Leave me alone. Which I I do have some respect for. Yeah, I, I don't mean, agree like, with it, but I do respect yeah. it. Yeah, I mean. I, I I I probably to some extent sort of kind of maybe a little bit kind of or sympathetic or agree, but yeah, to say it's like a moral like that's kind of silly. <laughs> like in a, in in a, in, a, in a pacifist way, like yeah. Bob Lafave was like like I don't want to. I, he wouldn't engage in the government with government because even that was violence. Like yeah. even that required enforcement, and he wouldn't. He was like Tolstoy. He wouldn't engage in violence for anything. 
Uh, for all the money, time, and energy that needs to go into electing a politician good or on one or a few issues, how many people could be directly freed and their risk of apprehension reduced in tax evasion, draft evasion, regulatory regulation evasion, and so on? Uh, which is one point I bring up. I, I bring up. Oh my god! Because yeah, it's constantly. Like, it's like yes, sure. Theoretically, you could get this one guy, and you know he really you know says everything you want to say, and it's super awesome, and blah blah. blah. But it's like all right, but think of, it's like the the sunken cost thing. Like how much time and effort and everything went into that, and like how could it be used elsewhere? Like I mean, it's, I, I it's it, it went, when as so <clears throat> when as in, when you are an agorist and you get one of these ancaps who's like, hey, why not both? Or one of these LP types. Hey, why not both? Why can't you vote and also take part in counter economics? This is your go-to right here. It's be simply because, just to paraphrase what he just said, what you just read, we do not have the luxury of wasting precious limited resources that the liberty movement has on unproductive ends like politics. Right? We need all the help we can get in cryptocurrency and 3D printing and black market businesses and entrepreneurship. Like promote that shit don't promote your favorite you know candidate for i don't know like treasurer of the libertarian party don't put your time and resources and energy into something like that it's just a waste and even that even just specifically looking at voting by itself on an individual level like i know in modern terms it's probably not that difficult to go vote but even if it takes 20 fucking minutes, you literally could probably mathematically break it down that whatever, even if you're going to take a nap, that probably has more value <laughs> yeah. than yeah, whatever, some, whatever conceived input you think your one vote out of millions made or whatever. <laughs> like, I would go so far as to say if you were going to get robbed at, at gunpoint of thousands and thousands of dollars, let's say you're going to get robbed at gunpoint for 10 grand, it still would be less um self-destructive than going to that voting booth and pulling the lever because the politician you're voting for is going to be robbing you for a hell of a lot more than what the guy in the street is all right well i disagree with that one i'd rather vote <laughs> ten thousand taken from me but especially I mean, because like, i know how little my vote fucking matters so. <laughs> like, take, take your pick you want like yeah. like joe biden or freaking ms13 you know well i mean but my point being is my point was the mathematical aspect of it that like even if uh, like you, no matter who you vote for that this this statistical like chance you're getting robbed vote, either way that your vote makes a fucking oh, difference right. like it's like no like like even if it takes even even if it takes me like 5 minutes it's probably not even worth the even if you could make the case that the person you're going to vote for even if you can make a strong case is going to do x y and z or whatever the fuck something amazing it's still like okay but this the chances that your one vote's going to make a difference yeah, you're, no, you're it, does, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it won't make a difference in swaying. It's unlikely that it would make a difference in swaying, yeah. like the, the 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 outcome. But it does make a difference in the in the sense that what we said earlier, it legitimizes the whole process. It legitimizes the whole corrupt institution. So it, in that sense, it 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 does matter in like a destructive sort of way. Yeah. Nor do you need exhort the evaders to contribute to a noble cause, but si simply offer, and some sell this for exorbitant fees. Instruction on how to do uh, how to do beat detection and watch them go for it, freeing themselves, not being freed by someone else. Votes are the profits of a political party. A party mm. is an organ of the state whose overt purpose is to vie for control of the state and whose convert. And whose covert one is to co-op support to gain the sanction of the victim. 
The number of votes dictate the number of successfully elected officials and their share of power and plunder. And the number of those still accepting the state's legitimacy and possible usefulness. And yes, I would say this applies even to the LP. Now, a lot of people listening are probably, you know, friendly with the LPMC and they'll be like, well, their purpose is not to get control of the state. One, I actually think that's partially not true. But even if that was entirely true, it's okay. They're not going to have, there, there's no way they're going to maintain control of it for that long. And and even if they, or for, or they're going to maintain that position or maintain their control and hold that position. It's going to subvert back to its express purpose. Like that is what a political party is. It's eventually going to go back to that. But even then it, it would be silly for them not to, because it's like, well, what are we doing here? Are we just doing, making a speaking tour out of this? Like there, there's no way that that would be a thing. And even then people, you know, this, this will go to like local shit and stuff like that. So they are a hundred percent trying to gain control of the state. I mean, yes, they would make the case you're doing it to do your, what you want, but then now we get in this weird quandary of like, but are they really going to do what you want in every single place? And like, is this really, or is this setting up an infrastructure that's likely to be corrupted and end up with a bunch of reason and Cato faggots? Like, <laughs> and, and, there, and there's also, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. of course, like, obviously if they, if someone was like, Hey, you want the white house? They're going to be like, yeah, like absolutely. want the white house. This is what I've been going for forever. Thank you so much. So like, Obviously, it's bullshit that they don't want political power. And the fact that they, they say, oh, no, it's about spreading the message, right? And we've spoken about this. Like, the whole masquerading of the Libertarian Party as an educational institution is just a crock of shit. Like, it's, it's just a joke. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, for, did you, for a whole number of reasons. Did like, you if watch, you're going to start... Yeah. Go ahead. Did you watch that... Uh, God, I forget. It was David Bett or something. It was some, some podcast, like a big podcast. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you watch it. It was like three or four hours long. It had like Spike Cohen, Dave Smith, Larry Sharp, um, uh, Jessica Vaughn, and they were just all talking about libertarian stuff. And it was actually a really good podcast. They touched on a lot of good stuff. But then it was very common theme throughout that it really – to, there, there was a lot of talk of like, well, we need to build an infrastructure. We need to do this. We need to do that. And it was all the bureaucratic stuff. And I was like, well, this is all that stuff. Like, like you can't divorce the two no matter how much you want. It's going to be there. Like, sure, you may be able to make the case that it's a little bit uh, – it's not <clears> – <throat> You know, like, well, we're taking it over and we'll be the ones running it. They're like, okay, but are you going to be the ones running it forever? And and even then, I don't know if I really trust you guys that much. <laughs> so, like, uh, but like, it's like, it's like, think, but okay, we need to build infrastructure is what they're saying, right? Think about where the infrastructure is that exists. Like who's building it? It's agorists. Yeah. Who's building the financial infrastructure for tomorrow, right? It's it's the cryptocurrency enthusiasts. It's guys like Roger Ver and CZ from Binance and uh, people who are creating services for cryptocurrency and like who's building the infrastructure for all these different industries are the entrepreneurs. It's not happening in politics. They, they already have an existing political infrastructure. And I know a lot of these people are wonderful people, but they are, these bureaucrats are earning a living by doing this literally off the backs of LP donors. This is where the money is going. It's going to keep them from a nine to five job. They can't be entrepreneurs because they, they're just not productive. So the only way that they can they can gain this money is sort of like it's like parasitism off of these these I call them victims or or members of the Libertarian Party. It's terrible, honestly. And, and I I know that if I you know they're they're good people and I don't want to you know 
say anything bad about them. But I'm, that's that's the that's the nature of of the of politics. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter. You could be Mother Teresa, and that's going to be true. Yeah, Crane and the Clark campaign were only acting in accordance with their nature qua party art. As Frank Chodorov might have said, the way to get rid of sellouts in, in LP jobs is to get rid of LP jobs. Yeah, that's a tweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's take <laughs> uh, and that, and you know, it's part of what my main point is. Like, I, I do think over time, like I do think the LPMC guys are almost entirely, you know, awesome people, and like I do think over time, either some of them will start caving to the bullshit uh that the incentives push for and then some will just leave because they'll be like i don't want any part of this and then over time you just end up with the same bullshit we had before like i and the and the problem that i have is that like okay cool you're like oh well, we tried cool like whatever we did our thing you're like okay but yeah you built it up <laughs> like you That's whereas it. it was just a relevant thing we made fun of like i would and they're like, well, they're called libertarian. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I, I would rather, I would rather prominent people and most of us get to the point to where we ridicule the LP. So then, when people are like, it becomes a common known thing. Like, yeah, libertarians don't like the Libertarian Party. So I don't know what you're talking about. We're like, getting so, there. Honestly, yeah. memes have been effective in in promoting yeah. that belief. Yeah, majorly effective. Which, and I get that belief too. But it's like people then, it's it always people say that, and then it's like the assumption. It's almost like this implied assumption that you're supposed to be like, okay, well then I guess we should take it over then. I'm like, or the exact opposite. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no. It's like it's like saying, man, I hate cancer. It's like you know what? We gotta get it. We gotta look, give me some cancer so I can figure this out. It's like no, dude, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, obviously that's not the, the best because the idea is it's called the Libertarian Party. And that's why a lot of people have changed to like voluntarist or other different terms, which I mean, I don't know. I don't really care with a term game, like whatever. In the day, I think it should just be yeah, this I'm thing not. ridicule them and just, you know, if someone's like, oh, you're Libertarian, do you vote Libertarian? I'm like, no, they're fucking retarded. <laughs> you know, like, but I, right. I, I identify as a Libertarian, but not as like a libertarian party member yeah. if anybody ever asked me of course i'm going to tell them what to stay away from them yeah but if anything like this this move builds the association more so when it when they're gay in a decade from now all over again and it's like sarwarks and whatever reason types running it then now if anything i'm going to be at, people are going to associate us with it more now because of this experiment i know i know and <laughs> so, it happens all the time it happens all the time it happened in cryptocurrency look at how the bitcoin narrative has been upended like the tea party narrative has been upended it just it doesn't stop it's, it's the state's greatest tools controlling the narrative and framing that debate let's take up those political parties rothbard now finds admirable it is clear that democrats were not so lovable and conceived in liberty when as Je jefferson republicans they fought the anti-federalists and co-opted opposition to the constitution did jackson the agent of nullifications defeat van buren the archetype of boss politics poke the anti-Mexican imperialist or Pierce and Buchanan, the defenders of slavery, redeem this tainted beginning. And the British liberals such, were... He, 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 just, he just blew through like such a, a vast amount of American history right there. But we can spend the whole podcast just in that sentence. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and the British liberals were condemned by Rothbard for leading liberty advocates into defense of empire and world war. Nor did the moderate minarchists of the time, let alone the many anarchists even then, have any use for Democrats or liberals. Those minarchist reformers were then in the Free Soil Party in the U.S. and the Philosophic Radical Party in Britain, respectively. It would be gush of me to remind Dr. Rothbard 
Just who invented the radical caucus and then discarded it when it served nothing but objectively counter-revolutionary ends. So I'll pass this, this section up. A militant and abolitionist LP in control of Congress begs the question, how did it get there? How could it get there? George Smith's scenario seems far more plausible. In fact, the LP will be empowered during the final stages of agorist revolution to lure away our marginal allies and snare the unwary with libertarian newspeak. All right, that is this mm-hmm. phrase. Because I always, that is one thing I've said a lot too, is that I'll talk about how I, do, I think there's a good chance in the future at one point, and I think we're not there yet, but the, the LP will likely become the, one of the, either a, a serious contending third party or one of the main two parties. Because it, it's just this, I don't know, it, it makes sense that they would, pull that way and and i do think i i think what is likely to happen if i was to make a guess on the the future right now and i don't i mean i'm not i could be completely wrong i think the lpmc is going to do everything it says it's going to do i think likely dave will probably have a good speaking tour and i think what will happen is then it'll kind of simmer down and then over time you'll have people like spike cohen kind of take more prominence who I mean, I, ha- I have my doubts about him. He seems generally nice, but he kind of strikes me as a political chameleon. He'll open the door for more of the Robbie Suave types. And then over time, you end up with the more uh, reasoned Cato regime libertarians back in place. And I do think the party will stagnate again, but they will have gained, made so many gains off this like great inertia they got from the from the good libertarians, the people that I genuinely think are good libertarians who got caught up in this fervor. And then once it gets to its height, they kind of either sort of get pushed out or lose interest and it becomes bullshit all over again. And now you have this larger party that's horseshit and being run by characters that will take your language and your ideology and use it for a cloak for fucking for the state or or it will will cloak status ends with your uh, vernacular is kind of what I was trying to say. So like, yeah, <laughs> like it's just, yeah, the same thing. it's I, like the same thing that the Republican party does now. Like they talk so much in terms of Liberty, but if anything, right. it's almost worse because these people will probably be better at it because they're coming from a better ideology, uh, to which to manipulate, if that makes sense. So. Woods is law. Woods is law. Um, no matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. And kind this is what Conkin is saying that eventually one day, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some third party, maybe the Libertarian Party, be be not gained but be given national prominence. <clears throat> and like the way that works is, it, it doesn't doesn't get national prominence under the leadership of a radical like Dave Smith. That's not going to happen. What it happens is the Libertarian Party gains prominence under somebody who's harmless, and then the state implants an individual and says, "All right, this person is now a Libertarian." And then you get like, like one of these clowns from Cato, um, you know, as as your presidential candidate, and they say, "Oh, look, we are benevolent. See, look, we are fair. We gave this third party a chance, and they won. Now we're going to be governed by the Libertarian Party for once, finally." But really, it's just another fucking John McCain type that's standing at the podium. Yeah. The LP will be put in power as soon as the higher circles need it. There, I have no doubt that Dr. Rothbard will be the first to notice and denounce the collaboration. Can you imagine slaves on the plantation sitting around voting for masters and spending their energy on campaigning in candidates when they could be heading for the Underground Railway? Surely what they would gr- choose it. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, what a great analogy. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Surely they would choose the counter-economic alternative. Surely Dr. Rothbard would urge them to do so and not be seduced into remaining on the plantation until the abolitionist slave masters party is elected. 
Rothbard's characterizing me as a wrecker is truly surprising to me, considering all the libertarian organizations and publications I have built up and supported, more than anyone else save for Dr. Rothbard himself, from Wisconsin to New York to California and nearly every state, province, and country on this globe. Am I supposed to list all the libertarian groups that have not been subjected to moral attacks by me? How about every libertarian supper club in Los Angeles and New York, the Society for Individual Liberty, Society for Libertarian Life, the old California Libertarian Alliance and Texas Libertarian Alliance, the British Libertarian Alliance, the Future of Freedom Conference, the Southern Libertarian Conference. Oh, this is ridiculous. Yes, I have stopped beating my wife, even if I'm not married. Uh, the only things I have wrecked are the wreckers of our once party free movement, the defense of partyarchy and the compromise of libertarianism in general. Is Rothbard claiming that he averted his eyes from those leaving the plumb line because they might otherwise do good work? In conclusion, Rothbard and I continue to fight for the same goals and against the same enemies. I hope we will continue to fight in our own ways, reaching those whom others may have missed. And the greatest hope is that we may reduce our time and energy spent on fighting each other in order that we may, be, we may free up resources to turn against a common enemy. I shall pass up no hand outstretched. If the new libertarians and the Rothbardian centrists must devote some time to our differences, engage in revolutionary dialogue, let it be devoted first to understanding each other as this exchange is intended and then to resolving those differences. Ah, then let the state and its powers elite, power elite quake. Which I do think is really important, that understanding thing. Because that is the one big thing is I don't think... Most people even under the vast majority of people who critique agorism and are usually the ones who are the shittiest about it don't understand it whatsoever. <laughs> and, and, and that I think that's that was that's crystal clear from yeah. Rothbard and his in Conkin's critique. Yeah. It's clear that Rothbard, like you said, I I think he read it. Um, I think you, you had said that you didn't think he actually read the full thing. I think uh, he read it, but he sort of just breezed through it. Yeah, I, I was more giving him an out, it, like like that's a possibility, because <laughs> I I mean I, maybe he did read that with with very with good intent and he thought he got everything out of it, but I mean I, right, I just, like I think he read it once like quickly and he was just like that's ain't gonna work and he was just like <laughs> you, you know what I mean and it's like dude think about it like relax yeah. take your time think about it and he he didn't do that unfortunately yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's the end of it. We'll be moving into what would I say the next one? Robert LeFay already closed the book. Uh, so it'll be our next one. Bob LeFay, Return to Babylon. Yep. All right. And with that, I guess if you want to go ahead and drop your plugs, and we'll we'll do this again soon. Uh gorethreads.com, Libertarian Anarchist Apparel. Um, three printer go burr, three printers and three printing supplies. You can of course pay with cryptocurrency to avoid KYC payment platforms. The book is anti-politics. Check it out on Amazon if you want to play with crypto. Shoot me a DM on social media. We'll work it out. Other than that, I'm on all your social media platforms, Sally Agorist or at Sally Mayweather. Give me a follow and subscribe. Yeah, Drop and that you, like button on, on YouTube for Jose, too. Hell yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is uh, this has been No Way Jose. I'm on YouTube on all the major audio packages, Odyssey. Follow me on Twitter at 2020NoWayJose. Give me money at patreon.com. Just no Way Jose 2020 Like, share, subscribe comment all that good stuff you know bump me up in the algorithm uh, i appreciate you coming on again sal it's been fun we still have a few more left of these and i'm looking forward to it thank you junkie oh, jeff yeah. i see you in the chat you're always here thank you brother uh, i want more people like you who start showing up but all right uh appreciate it and with that we are out